Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in, turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Welcome, everybody. What a vacation. Patrick Johnson uh, coming to you from uh, our undisclosed Casa de Johnson locale, Working Man's Beach. A reminder to always check your contract. Uh, It is the all-new season of the Patrick Johnson Show premiering here today. P-Man with you. Great to have you along. Phil Steele coming up uh, here going to uh, talk to him about the ECU season, get some uh, of Phil's lines for the uh, upcoming season for the Pirates. Looking forward to catching up uh, with him. Ben Byram, of course, producing. Ben will have an update on everything going on. Going to try to work in here in a few minutes some uh, cuts from the Mike Houston show the other day, uh, or the Mike Houston appearance, I should say, on the Talk of the Town show. Uh, I am uh, away. This is uh, my vacation week. I know what you're saying. But, Patrick, you took all this time off. Yes, from the show, because July is hard to book. And uh, we need, we needed we needed a break. Uh, the show needed a little break. And uh, here we are with the uh, new season, the premiere episode of uh, the new season of the Patrick Johnson Show. Uh, as uh, we look forward to bringing you uh, this year as we enter uh, a fourth year. How about that? Uh, it is uh, going to be a lot of fun, going to be uh, a lot of excitement for Pirate football, and we're going to digest that with uh, Coach uh, Houston, some comments he made to Henry Hinton the other day. Uh, We bring that to you right now as we get going in our Pirate Report. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. I think when you get into something like this, you got to look at, uh, well, it's pretty simple. you got to look at... uh, Having a spring and having a summer uh, set of workouts and now having what appears is going to be and hopefully will continue to be a normal uh, uh, camp for the uh, Pirates. We understand the majority of guys on the roster are vaccinated for what that is worth now. Uh, but uh, it's good to be able to have those guys working out, and that's maybe an advantage. We'll see how all of that uh, plays in the uh, coming days uh, and uh, coming months during the uh, season. And, uh, you know, you can't force guys to get vaccinated, but I think rosters that are going to be vaccinated quite possibly could have a bit of an advantage over rosters that uh, have not received a full set of uh, or a majority of players vaccinated. I'm not speaking out one way or the other on the vaccination deal, but uh, that's what we uh, are led to believe would uh, allow for the contact tracing to not be so stringent, at least as of now, going into the uh, season. 
Uh, anyway, Mike Houston from uh, the Talk of the Town program talking about exactly uh, how close this group is right now. We have a pretty tight-knit roster, and then the work that they put in, and then you know the ability level. I mean, yeah. I, th- I think you saw flashes last year from our young guy just of the you know the upgrade in speed and athleticism, uh, the upgrade in size. Uh, we've had a full off season, so that's all that's improved. You know, yeah. we're bigger, faster, and stronger than we've been since I've been here. So. Um, yeah, we're all excited. Uh, offensive line this year, um, uh, you guys feel better about that than you felt since you've been here, don't you? Well, I've got more than five. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, there were times over the last two years you're you're trying to piece together five. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we have a very solid two deep uh, with experience. Um, we do have some veteran players there. You know, you look at a guy like Sean Bailey. Uh, now he's a veteran starter, you know, going into his senior year, Fernando Fry veteran starter going into a senior year and then you got the young guys that have the experience now Nashad Strother, Avery Jones, uh, you know Justin Chase uh, optimistic that uh, Noah Henderson is going to be able to play he's been fully cleared so uh, you know he's back working out and, and doing everything. Uh, Bailey Malovic has gained 50 pounds since last year. Wow you know he's he's right at 300 pounds right now as we get ready to start preseason camp and and uh, moving very well. So, you know, the offseason just made such a difference to those big guys. And now in my mind, the question is, can that unit up front stay healthy? Because that's been a big issue. Can they stay healthy, and and can they do enough things to create the running lanes, to create some time for Holton Aylers, to create some running lanes even for Holton Aylers in the upcoming season? Uh, Our Pirate Report today, this is uh, Mike Houston appearing on the Talk of the Town program uh, or, or late last week, and uh, some of the comments that uh, we picked out of that that we thought Coach Houston uh, had some real interesting nuggets to bestow upon uh, Pirate Nation. This is today's Pirate Report here on the Patrick Johnson Show on the flagship of the Pirates, 94.3 The Game. And uh, Coach Houston talked about what I just mentioned there, uh, creating those running lanes, protecting Holton Aylers. Should be able to run the football effectively. We should be able to protect Holton. Uh, we have experienced receivers for Holton. I really like our tight end room. There wasn't a tight end room when I got here. I mean, it's Holton has a lot of pieces around him now, uh, so where he doesn't have to, you know, carry the burden of doing everything. Speaking of quarterbacks, uh, Coach Houston was asked on Friday by Henry Hinton about uh, the new quarterback for Appalachian State, longtime Clemson backup, Duke turnover machine, Chase Bryce, and uh, how you prepare uh, for a guy that uh, really turned the ball over. It seemed like possession after possession last year for the Duke Blue Devils. And uh, this is Coach Houston's response. He, he started every game for Duke last year, so yeah. there's a lot of tape on him. Uh, so we've we've evaluated him, you know, extensively. Um, he's a he's a talented quarterback. Um, you know, the thing, the interesting thing is he may have a better surrounding cast now than what he had at Duke. I mean, he does have a better surrounding cast now than what he had at Duke. I mean, it's he has a veteran team around him. So you know, much like I talked about Holton, he's got a 1,200-yard tailback sitting back there that's a senior. 220 pound kid you know he doesn't have to do everything he's got three senior receivers that have had a lot of success veteran offensive line so he's just gotta get the ball where he's supposed to get the ball right so, now he struggled with that at duke so i hope he struggles in the opener <laughs> mike houston today's pirate report coach was asked friday about playing the opener at bank of america in charlotte i think it'll be an exciting exciting stage our kids are excited about it yeah yeah i mean it's you know, we, and we've played well in NFL stadiums. 
I'll tell you the thing about it, though, is, you know, I've got a lot of friends nationally in the media. You're going to have some national media, some of the big guys there for our Thursday night game because they're figuring they can come in, watch our game and the Clemson-Georgia yeah. game, you know, and not have to travel. So it'll get a lot of attention. Trim McGee asking uh, Coach Houston about the balance of the offense with the uh, two backs returning and with uh, Holt Naylor's in his third year. Let's listen in to see what uh, Coach Houston's uh, thought was on McGee's query. Oh, there's no doubt. This, this is the best roster I've had by far since I've been here. So, And Audio Matosha, you're going to have to yeah. fill a void with Blake uh, Prohl yeah. uh, leaving. I've always thought he's kind of a diamond in the rough guy. I right. love the way he runs his routes. I think he has great hands. Um, expecting big things from him this season. I do, and uh, and he does. I mean, there's nobody's worked harder to prepare for the moment than Audie. And, uh, and and he and I have talked about it. And the, the biggest thing I've told him, I said, hey, listen, your, your, your deal is consistency. You know, if he can consistently, you know, be productive catching the football, you know, assignment-wise, all those things, you know, he could really fill that void because he has the length and the speed uh, that you need out wide to balance opposite CJ with Sneed in the slot. Sure, you heard the follow-up from uh, Trent McGee on sports there. The other uh – question that McGee had was about the guys being able to spend time with Big John this offseason and how that uh, has led to a physical football team. I wish I wish you could do the before and after photos. I, I showed, I mentioned Bailey Malavik. I showed yeah. the team a photo of him from last year and a photo of him today in our team meeting on Monday and it's, I mean, it's astounding. Yeah. And, it, and it's not just him, it's the entire roster. And, uh, you know, so we are as big as fast and as strong as we have been you know since i got here you know it's it's a different roster that is today's pirate report here on the flagship of the pirates 94-3 the game phil Steele's thoughts on uh, ecu and the season ahead when we return on the season premiere of the new season of the pj show we'd appreciate it if anyone hearing this broadcast would communicate with us more of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of the ECU Pirates. We are very anxious to know how far the broadcast is reaching. 94.3 The Game. And 94.3thegame.com. Pirate football lives on game days right here. Here we go. Hot, hot. On the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. 94.3 The Game. <laughs> Our Coastal Retreat Week uh, continues, but Phil Steele is joining us from, uh, at least this time of year, less than snowy uh, Cleveland. Uh, the great Phil Steele is on the line with us here. Uh, it's Phil Steele's College Football 2021 Preview Magazine, the book that the experts cannot do without. We had Phil on back uh, when it was essentially being released before uh, the July 4th holiday. Wanted to get him back on to get another push. I see a lot of uh, folks, a lot of friends, a lot of Facebook and uh, Twitter followers that are uh, posting the magazine uh, throughout uh, this time of year because they're getting away on vacation and uh, they're uh, retiring away for a little R&R with uh, this magazine to get ready. But we bring Phil Steele in, who's a man that's doing a lot better than we were this time last year. All of us were, especially Phil. Great to talk to you, my friend, and thank you for taking a few minutes with us. Oh, always a pleasure, Patrick. And as you mentioned, last year at this time, we're wondering if we're even playing football and uh, schedules are changing and we're 
updating the website with new schedules and people are printing them off and pasting them in their book. <laughs> and some people's books were like 500 pages thick. And, uh, it was, uh, it was a little ridiculous last year to be back to normal. I'm guilty of this. Like anybody else. Uh, I've got, uh, all of my old backdated issues, you know, over the years, I kind of keep, uh, somewhere as a, kind of a, a neat collection item. Uh, what is the, the kind of craziest or funniest uh, or most enjoyable story? Or maybe when did you first start noti- noticing, Phil, that this was a thing, that people kept the back issues for years upon years? Yeah, it, it was. Uh, I think it was probably after about 15 years, people started uh, <laughs> sending me their, their photographs, and it would say, uh, you know, hey, look, I've got all 15 issues. I was very impressed. I'm like, wow, I, you know, that's uh, – that's quite a collection, and it just keeps going every year now. It's 27th year of the magazine, and we we definitely have a lot of uh, longtime followers that can send pictures of all 27 years. Yeah, pretty cool stuff, uh, and this will be uh, available more than uh, 350 pages. Uh, Phil, this year, uh, not only online, philsteel.com, uh, but you do have a couple of uh, distribution partners uh, this year as far as exclusive stores. Tell us about that. Yeah, we're, we're with Barnes & Noble and Books A Million exclusively. And uh, it was great because, you know, the first week of the magazine, Patrick, generally we send the last page to the press. And then about a week, week and a half later, we actually get the magazine in our office. And they actually don't hit the newsstands for about a month with the national distribution. But dealing direct with Barnes & Noble and Books A Million this year, uh, they had them on the newsstand about a week after we yeah. sent them to the press. Mm-hmm. It was really a remarkable turnaround. And then the also uh, IMG Learfield has taken over the uh, distribution, the mailing distribution. If you go online to philsteel.com and order the magazines, they're sent out two-day FedEx, and you'll have them in your hands very quickly. So it's been very efficient, very thorough. Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and philsteel.com are the three places to get it. I think, uh, you know, sometimes, and let me just give this endorsement and this plug, uh, gang. Uh, I did that on my, on my phone. You know, it was, I, I just did it one evening, got it ordered, got my copy, uh, but I also got a copy of my dad, uh, for my dad, for uh, kind of a Father's Day gift, and, and sometimes those little things are a little more meaningful. I know he's enjoyed it, and uh, I certainly have enjoyed it as well, and uh, look to continue to enjoy reading through it this week. Uh, superb work, as always, uh, Phil. Uh, the great Phil Steele with us uh, here. Hey, before we get into uh, some of the things in the magazine and uh, a little bit of uh, Phil synopsis on ECU, you know, we talked about it in our first interview, but we do want to uh, kind of catch the people up who may have missed that or, or uh, maybe follow up on some things as well but we've had obviously a huge shift in the landscape of college football uh here with uh in just the last few uh weeks uh with uh the pending and, and now uh happening move of texas and oklahoma to the sec let me get your reaction to that phil well i'm a traditionalist so uh generally when stuff changes like that it's uh you know you wonder what direction we're headed I go back to when the Southwest Conference disbanded and we turned, went to the Big 12. You wondered what would happen, but everything survived. But we'll see how, the, how this move works. Uh, I mean, you've got a lot of power in the SEC now. I hope we don't tend to gravitate towards just the power teams. I, I like the all 130 teams that are in the uh, FBS right now. We get the same amount of coverage, two full pages to Akron as we do to uh, Alabama. And uh, I'm hoping that we, we keep all 130 teams active. Uh, it, I don't think anybody really knows where we're headed, uh, and it'll be interesting to see. Do, do, you, uh, do you think that this is a, uh, 
a, a precursor to, uh, as you say and as you fear, concentrating on the power teams, in other words, becoming uh, maybe this sort of separate uh uh, possible uh, mega conference where, where you'd have three or four of them and then kind of everybody else uh, somewhere in, in purgatory between this this potential layout and, and FCS? Yeah, I always thought we were headed towards four 16-team super conferences, uh, and it definitely appears that we're headed that way. But, uh, you know, once again, it's, it's pretty tough to tell exactly where we're headed, and uh, we'll, we'll see what shakes out in the next couple of years. <laughs> Uh, crazy times, undoubtedly, and uh, the magazine, uh, while it will continue to come out uh, as we get into a fourth decade of it, is certainly going to have uh, some different teams, it looks like, uh, in different conferences to, to write about, which is uh, kind of a fun challenge, I'm sure, for Phil in itself. Hey, uh, we didn't get a ton into the American overall last time. Uh, we did touch on a few things, uh, but... Uh, Basically, in the American, you really like Cincinnati this year. In fact, you've talked about uh, Phil Cincinnati as a possible playoff uh, uh, dark horse uh, and uh, a team that could uh, maybe get through this thing unscathed or at least with one loss. I know you're really big on UCF this year. Uh, Give us just kind of a brief synopsis of the league and where you see ECU stacking up. Yeah, it's it's really – well, clearly the best group of five league it has been for the last couple of years. And uh, I I think when you take a look at Cincinnati – they're a team that finished in the top 10 last year, and I think this year they open up in the top 10, which means they could make it into the playoff, be the only team in the, the history of the four-team playoff from the group of five to actually make it in there. And here's how that would happen. Uh, first of all, they've got seven starters back on offense, seven on defense, including Desmond Ritter, their outstanding quarterback, one of the best defenses in the country. I rate it the number seven defense in the country. Then you look at their schedule. If they open up in the top 10, Week three, they play Indiana on the road. Indiana's a ranked team. Uh, I only am a very slight underdog in the game. If they pull the slight upset there, they probably move up to nine, maybe eight. And then two weeks later, they play Notre Dame off a bye. And um, Notre Dame will be in the top ten at the time. Knock them off, they probably move up even higher. Then just a couple of teams lose, they could pass them up. And the fact they were in the top ten last year, the fact that they led Georgia in the Peach Bowl almost start to finish, I think we'll have folks uh, noticing them, and, and I do give them a shout out to actually making a playoff if they could pull off those road upsets. Now, UCF is going to be a much improved team this year. Gus Malzahn's got a lot of nice transfers coming in, a lot of uh, Power 5 transfers. Big Cat Bryant at defensive end, Marco Damo, uh, Damio at uh, cornerback, both coming in from Auburn, also from Auburn, Mark Anthony Richards. Uh, they had in R.J. Harvey at running back from Virginia, Isaiah Bowser from Northwestern, Brandon Johnson, a wide receiver from Tennessee. Nate Craig Myers, who was a top receiver out of high school, started at Auburn, went to Colorado State, is now there. Uh, they had in a Tennessee transfer on the offensive line. And remember last year, UCF was all banged up on defense. They had a, a yeah. lot of players dismissed, opt out, and at the end of the year, they had like two returning starters for the last couple of games. That's when they got run over. I think they're a dangerous team this year. Houston, it's the first time that Dana Holgerson's going to have a normal season. Remember his first yeah. year, they had a whole bunch of players, including De'Ara King, redshirt after week four. Uh, week, year two, they had their first, what, five games postponed last year where they actually got on the field. Nine starters on offense, nine on defense. And I think if you look at the talent on Houston, they are loaded. They got a lot of that Houston area talent on there, and uh, they will be up there. SMU, uh, Sonny Dykes is a guy that if Tanner Mordecai can step in at that quarterback spot, he's a transfer from Oklahoma and do what Shane Bouchelle was doing. I mean, they've got the receiving core with Rice Gray, Roberson, 
uh, Calcaterra, the, the Oklahoma transfer at tight end. They also had Isaac Slade Matua, the top tackler from uh, the top linebacker from Oregon, is transferred in. So they, they look to be in pretty good shape. Also was in the American Conference title game last year, has 18 returning starters. How about Memphis? 16 starters back from an 8-3 and three team. Uh, and then East Carolina's right there. And I think East Carolina's going to be a vastly improved team. So I think top to bottom, even uh, at the at the bottom, and I- interestingly, when I was talking to Coach Niamatololo at Navy, mm-hmm. uh, he said that he thought the two teams greatly affected by the coronavirus, by the lack of contact uh, in the months of August, September, and even October, was Navy and Temple. And uh, he thought that those two teams relied on their physicality and, and didn't have that last year. And he thought both those teams would be much improved. Of course, Jeff Scott now in his second year. And then how do you forget about Tulane and Willie Fritz and the job he's doing? So this is a brutal conference, uh, top to bottom. Uh, it's it's going to be a challenge every yeah. single week. That, that's the thing, Phil. I think ECU, uh, as you've talked about a lot of times, by the way, the great Phil Steele with us, the magazine available now, philsteele.com. Books a million, Barnes and Noble. It's Phil Steele's College Football Preview 2021, the book that the experts cannot do without. Follow Phil, uh, follow Phil, I should say, on Twitter at Phil Steele 42 and then of course Phil's also available on uh, Facebook, PhilSteele.com. Uh, Phil, uh, Pirates, and you noted this uh, in our talks with you here over the years, Mike Houston in year three, that's usually where a good football coach is able to take a a program and uh, start to turn the corner, and if not totally turn the corner. Uh, it's going to be a challenging schedule because it's going to be a challenging league. I think it comes down to uh, who stays healthy and maybe when you catch a team. Do you catch a team on an off week? I, I think it's going to be that not only for ECU, but I think for uh, every team in the American this year, it's going to be that razor thin. Yeah, I would agree with that statement. And and you hit it right on the head. Coaches in their third year generally have, uh, for the first time, the majority of the team are their recruits. And, and for that matter, those players that stuck it out and stayed with them from the previous regimes uh, are clearly bought into the program. So everybody's bought into the Mike Houston program in year three. Uh, but the schedule, wow. I mean, opening up with uh, App State and the opening game, uh, they, they have practically everybody back this year. I'll say this, Patrick. I know East Carolina's got 20 returning starters this year. That is great. But talking to 110 of the 130 head coaches, everybody almost does. every single coach out, <laughs> everybody's got 15, 16, yeah. 17 returning starters this yeah. year. And, you know, the common refrain was, uh, Phil, uh, spring practice, we normally – trouble have trouble getting a two deep together this year we were running three full teams that was across the country everybody's like that so the south carolina game i think is pivotal well, not only for east carolina but also south carolina i mean you look at both team schedules that's almost one of those must win games if you're going to get to a bowl game this yeah. year that's big playing marshall on the road is not an easy game they do have a first year head coach but they were a dominant team uh in cusa last year and they're almost unbeatable at home so that's going to be a, a thing. And, and also it's the, uh, I believe it's a 50-year anniversary of the plane crash. It's not the plane crash game, but it is, of right. course, East Carolina for that one. Uh, then just the regular C, I mean, playing UCF on the road, Houston on the road, Memphis on the road. And when they when uh, East Carolina plays Navy, Navy's fresh off a bye. So that's not no, great news no. there. And then finishing up the season with Cincinnati, it's hard to pick out clear-cut wins on the East Carolina schedule this year, but it also it's tough to pick out clear-cut losses. So I think it's going to be a fun and fascinating year. Yeah, I agree, Phil. It is our Patrick Johnson show, and we are going to have more Phil Steele coming up in just a bit. Don't forget, you can download the uh, podcast of this show 
and other podcasts coming soon. Our weekly conversation with Mike Houston, Cliff Godwin podcast for the past year, and the uh, On the Prowl Panthers podcast, which hits 943thegame.com every Thursday. Uh, the host of that podcast has been Byram. Here he is right now with a sports update. Thanks, Pastor. We start with some Pirate Baseball-related news. This is ECU baseball alum Alec Burleson has been caught up in AAA ball in the Cardinals' farm system. Burleson has been hot in the minors ever since being drafted has moved from AA Springfield to the AAA Memphis Redbirds. Elsewhere in Major League Baseball, the Mets find themselves unlucky with their 10th overall pick. And former Vanderbilt pitcher Kamar Rocker reportedly the two sides couldn't come to an agreement on a deal after it was revealed by the Mets' Dodgers that Rocker has some issues with his elbow on his throwing arm. The Mets will be compensated with the 11th overall pick in next year's draft. The Rockers decided not to return to Vandy and instead either play in the minor leagues or overseas and prepare for next year's draft. From the NFL, Colts quarterback Carson Wentz expected to be out 5 to 12 weeks due to foot surgery. Cleveland Browns running back Nick Chubb signs a three-year extension worth $36 million. The Ravens signed four-time Pro Bowl defender Justin Houston to a one-year $4 million deal. The Saints signed running back Devontae Freeman to a small one-year deal. And Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott is expected to throw in a few days after a shoulder injury. For college basketball, five-star wing Dariq Whitehead is committed to the Duke Blue Devils, the second top 20 recruit for new head coach John Shire in the Blue Devils in the past four days. From the NBA, Kawhi Leonard's the Clydes player option will become a free agent next season. He's not the only one as Chris Paul has also decided to do so, but he's expected to negotiate a new deal with the Suns in the coming days. The, Heats are, the Heat excuse me, are positioning themselves to grab a six-time All-Star Kyle Lowry in the sign-and-trade deal. They've also declined Andre Iguodala's player option and have picked up Goran Drogic's. And wrapping up for the NHL, the league is looking into an allegation that Sharks forward Evander Kane bet on his own games and have launched a full-scale investigation. That's going to do it for your 94th of the game sports update. When we return, more Phil Steele on the other side of this quick timeout. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. I can't wait. On your flagship home of Pirate Football, 94.3 The Game and 94.3thegame.com. Happy hours are always a swashbuckling good time with the P-Man. Happy hour for me never starts till after five. Me either. This is only number three. Let's get back to the Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Big thanks. Our guy Phil Steele is with us uh, here. We welcome you back into the program here. It's the Phil uh, Steele uh, hour almost uh, here for the Patrick Johnson Show. Anytime we get a chance to pick the expert's brain, we got to do it as uh, we uh, have you on here with us uh, here today. And we appreciate Phil taking the time. By the way, the magazine, which is the most accurate magazine over the last uh, two-plus decades, available online, philsteele.com, also books a million, Barnes & Noble, over 350 pages, uh, chock full of uh, just information on these teams, and it's great stuff. I mean, I, I use the, the magazine as a reference point getting ready for the ECU pregame programming uh, all season long, and uh, I've even gone back and passed magazines to uh, to uh, affirm some things as well. So it's a great uh, resource to have uh, for myself. It's also for those that maybe like to, uh, for entertainment purposes only, put a little uh, action on the games to keep it interesting, uh, Phil. Uh, you talked to me uh, before we went to break there about ECU and uh, – you know, no clear-cut favorite, maybe no clear-cut dog with, with the exception of a game or two. How do you see, see you in those first couple of uh, 
uh, weeks. I don't know how far you've you've gotten out. Maybe you've gotten through the whole season since we last talk, uh, talked to you. But uh, as you work the lines for the weeks, at least here in the preseason, uh, how far along are you and what can you kind of give us with at least that first maybe month for ECU as far as uh, favorites and point spread? Yeah, I went all the way through the uh, the whole schedule for every team. And uh, I, I think what I'll do is maybe on uh, uh, for the Phil Steele Plus members or maybe the Inside the Press Box members this mm-hmm. year, I may put that out in August for them so they can okay. get my line on every game for the whole season. Yeah, But well, let's run down East Carolina. Now, I can tell you in Vegas for the opening game of the season, East Carolina is a 12-point dog against App State. I only have them a touchdown underdog. I think East Carolina – uh, if you look at them, they're a team that under Mike Houston is five and three is an away dog. So they play well in that role and, uh, they're very experienced. App State last year wasn't, uh, as dominant, didn't have as many blowout wins. It, it's a, a, a local uh, sort of game. It's in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. So I only have East Carolina seven point dog in that game. And, uh, so I think there's some value there. The South Carolina game, uh, I think South Carolina very talented talking to, uh, their new head coach, uh, Coach Beamer, he's very happy with the town he inherited, but East Carolina's at home for that one. And I think home field is going to mean a lot this year. Uh, you know, uh, if you look at the fans, they sort of got, uh, it was taken away from them last year. They weren't able to come out to the games at full force. I believe this year we're going to see maybe one of the largest uh, increases in attendance. We'll see an increase in attendance over 2019. It seemed attendance had been sliding in college football. I think fans can be very excited. So the home field is big. I rate that game a pure toss-up. I rate wow. it pick them. Uh, whoever, whoever make the underdog, I would take the underdog in that game. Uh, at Marshall, I've got East Carolina a four-point underdog. Uh, once again, Marshall extremely tough at home. They're, uh, they're a good team, a lot of talent returning, veteran quarterback and such. And they are at home where they've got a, a great record. In fact, uh, if you go back and, and look at Marshall recently at home, uh, the last, uh, 10 years, they're 47 and 16 at home. Last two years, 11 and three. So that's why I've got them about a four point favorite there. Charleston, uh, Southern, I did not do a line right. on, but I've just got East Carolina favorite. That's mm-hmm. one of those clear games. Uh, Tulane at home on homecoming. I've got East Carolina at three point favorite. I do think Tulane talent wise is right there with East Carolina. So let's go ahead and give East Carolina the home field edge and make them a three point favorite. Yeah. Uh, any any questions or comments on those five? No, I, Patrick? I, I think you're right there, Phil. I mean, uh, to me, that that seems like in line. I do find the South Carolina uh, thing interesting as a pick 'em, but. You know, I could see that as well. Uh, I think Shane Beamer is going to come in there, and he seems to seems to have energized the place. Look, they're in the SEC; they're going to have some dudes. They they might not have as many dudes as Florida or Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Auburn, whoever, but they're going to have guys that can play. So that that's going to be an interesting uh, early season matchup. I think these first two three weeks are, are really going to be telling for what kind of year ECU can can have as far as getting to a bowl game. But uh, I like what you're saying so far. Uh, if you want to run through the rest, I'm happy for you to do it. If you want to pivot, we can do whatever you want here, Phil, because I don't want people to not uh, subscribe to the Phil Still uh, Premium. So uh, you tell me what you want to do. No, let's, let's go ahead and run yeah. down the line. What I love the heck? it. We're talking East Carolina football, and I'm with Patrick Johnson. So what the <laughs> heck? Uh, uh, when they go to, to UCF on the road, uh, it's Bright House Stadium. Uh, I think it's going to be extremely loud. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I've got UCF a 14-point favorite in that game. They're a team that just tends to uh, – uh, blow teams out at times. So that's why you, you sort of lay a little bit extra uh, with them uh, in the non-COVID season, the last uh, the last two non-COVID seasons. 
nine and five as a home favorite. And overall, they've been pretty dominant at home. So I've got them a 14 point favorite uh, in that one. At Houston, as I touched on, Houston is a team that uh, has a lot of talent. They're at home for that one. It's a long trip for East Carolina. I've got Houston a seven point favorite mm-hmm. uh, in that game. Uh, UCF at home, USF, I should say, at home on a Thursday. I got the Pirates a double-digit favorite, 10 points. Uh, I think they're the better team at home. And uh, as mentioned, I think the home field edge is going to mean something. Same thing with Temple. Even though Temple, uh, you know, listening to Coach Niamatololo talk about Temple and how they're going to be improved this year, I still think East Carolina is a few steps ahead of Temple. Temple had some attrition. Uh, players hitting the transfer portal, which probably going to affect them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to break in a new quarterback. I've got East Carolina a 10-point favorite in that game. So uh, right now, if you're looking at the season, probably 5-4. and four. Hopefully for East Carolina, heading into the final three games. Those final three games are going to be tough at Memphis. Uh, once again, Memphis is a team that's extremely tough at home. Uh, Forty. Uh, in fact, if you go back and just take a look at the last uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And right now I'm looking at my Phil Steele magazine. Yeah. I'm going to count up the years here for the last seven years. So I, I am cheating. But that's what a great reference point this is. Yeah. They've only lost six home games the last seven years. That's amazing. So how Gosh. about that? Uh, I've got I've got East Carolina six-point dog in that game because of Memphis's home field edge. Now, the Navy game, uh, I'd like to be off a bye when I play Navy to get right. ready for that option offense. Right. That's not the case here. In fact, Navy's the team that's off a bye. But here's the thing. If you watch last year's game, uh, last year East Carolina was a depleted team. They had hardly anybody available for the game. Yeah, because of the COVID they took contact Navy. tracing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it, it was almost, what, they have 22, 23 players in some positions were extremely hard hit. They took Navy right to the wire last year. So uh, that's one of those toss-up games. I'm going to rate that one a toss-up, and if that could very well, Get East Carolina to a bowl game would be a road win at Navy. Okay. And then wrap it up with Cincinnati at home in the final. And the Bearcats are loaded this year. I've got Cincinnati a 10-point favorite, even though the game's in East Carolina. So six favorite, six dog, and that would make them a, uh, a, a bowl, bowl team, team if yeah. they could take care of business. I love it, Phil. I love it. Uh, the great Phil still with us here. Okay. I want to I want to uh, get to some uh, more lines quickly, kind of week one type of stuff. Uh, and, and then I need to ask you about UNC and NC State just for kind of local interest in our market here. Obviously, we're heavy pirates, but, you know, the show is so popular uh, among just fans in the East, uh, sports fans, that uh, we've got a lot of questions about that. So let me roll out here. Uh, you know, week one, you got ECU and App uh, playing in Charlotte on Thursday. That's Saturday in Charlotte, Georgia-Clemson. How do you see that one? Uh, I had... Clemson, the three-point favorite in the game, and I believe that uh, Clemson is a four or four-and-a-half point favorite right, yeah. in the game. I personally, I like the underdog in that one. Uh, I'm taking anything over a field goal. I think at best somebody wins that game by a field goal and wouldn't surprise me at all if Georgia won that thing outright. I, that could be a true toss-up type of game. So I like the underdog in that one. Wow, okay. Another early season test involving the ACC and the SEC, uh, Miami and Alabama. Now, you've got Alabama, that they've lost Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, Harris, Waddell. I mean, but they reload, but they've got a new quarterback. Uh, Canes are coming off an 8-3 and three year. That's an early season barometer. How, how do you see that one maybe going? Yeah, and keep in mind, last year Alabama lost a first-round draft pick quarterback, right. two first-round <laughs> draft pick receivers, and three offensive linemen, and pretty much did the same thing this year. 
But it is early, and uh, you know I don't think Bryce Young is going to have a forty-one to four ratio like Mac Jones did. He is going to be a little bit more mobile, but I don't know how much you really run him in a game like this. Uh, and the fact Alabama's going to have a good defense. Now they haven't had uh, eight starters back on defense in a long time. In fact, the last five years they've all had five or less returning starters, so they're going to have a loaded D. But Miami's also a loaded team. They got nineteen returning starters. Now, if you want to play Alabama. The thing would be Alabama generally wins their openers and right. covers. They right. win by big margins. And Miami had a couple of blowouts last year. Uh, right? the one blowout that's very memorable, the uh, North Carolina game, they lost by 36. The Clemson game, they lost by 25. And so you wonder a little bit there. But I'd probably be leaning a little bit with Miami. As long as De'Aaron King is going to play and is 100% healthy, which he's on uh, on pace for that right now, I would take Miami plus the points. I think they'll give a much better performance than they did last year. And and I'll tell you what, Patrick, I talked to both Coach Brown and Coach Diaz, and I asked them point blank. I said, what the hell happened in that North Carolina-Miami yeah. game last year? And neither, neither coach could tell me what happened. Wow. It was Generally, the coaches can tell you, hey, this was going on, that was going on, so I sort of knew this was going to happen. They, neither team had a – or neither coach had a clue that, that it was going to be a blowout like that. And, and Manny Diaz, frankly, was scratching his head over what the heck happened to his defense in that game. All right, we got the great Phil Steele with us here. Uh, if you'll indulge me here, I want to ask you about two Cincinnati games. Because uh, obviously you feel like this is a team that uh, has a look uh, of being a playoff uh, spoiler, uh, a playoff uh, long shot, well, not really long shot, but dark horse, which I guess is a little bit of a long shot. But, you know, they went 9-0 and last year, did, did the Bearcats in the regular year. Uh, Indiana probably felt a little slighted uh, after their great season, who they played in their bowl game uh, with Ole Miss. So let me ask you about, let's go to week three here, Phil. Cincinnati at Indiana. Uh, all of a sudden, this is a very tough game, i got to think, for the Bearcats. How do you see it? Uh, I have Cincinnati a three-point dog, but wow. just based on the fact Indiana's a ranked team and at home. Yeah. Uh, but I, I probably lean in towards Cincinnati, and it's possible, uh, very possible, that Cincinnati could actually be favored in that game for the fact that if they open up in the top ten uh, and they do well in their first two games, Indiana opens up at Iowa, so they could come into that game one and one, and I think at that point it could be a pick'em game. So I would take Cincinnati plus the points, whatever it is. I've not seen the early Vegas line on that yeah, one, right? Right. But I, it's probably it's probably greater than three at this point. So I, I'd take the dog Cincinnati in that one. All right, and again, this is what Phil Phil's gone through the whole season for every team. You know, so that's – and look, these point spreads, you might – Cincinnati, 10-point favorite home against ECU. This will be updated throughout the year, but this is Phil's first look at this, and I'll guarantee you this, he'll be a, he'll be a heck of a lot closer than others out there when uh, it's all said and done. Cincinnati at uh, Notre Dame, week five. Let's assume the Bearcats survive at Indiana, are able to get a win. Uh, then they go into Notre Dame. That's, that's big time for this uh, program. And look, I always say this, outside of when they play ECU – Right now in this league, fan pirate fans should be rooting for the Bearcats. We don't we don't like the Bearcats for a lot of reasons. A lot of a lot of history there. Some of the nonsense in the game last year. But but I'll tell you this: uh, Cincinnati winning and getting into a, a New Year's Six or even getting to the playoffs that's big business. That's good things happening for the American and ECU ultimately. So Cincinnati at Notre Dame. How do you see that Week Five, Phil? Yeah, once again, I have not seen the early Vegas line on it, and I believe my line's probably lower than what most folks have. I only have them a three-point underdog, and I understand that 
Notre Dame has their defensive coordinator this year in uh, Marcus Freeman, who was the defense coordinator at Cincinnati, so he has great knowledge oh, yeah. of the Cincinnati defense. Yeah. But offensively, Notre Dame only has three starters back. And while they have Jack Cohn and they have Kyron Williams, a running back, Cohn was the quarterback of Wisconsin, uh, the offensive line a little bit reworked, and the receiving core very much reworked. Cincinnati's got a great defense. Notre Dame has a great defense. Uh, the Irish are at home. Uh, one factor that I like going in Cincinnati's favor here is that Notre Dame would have just faced four teams, Florida State, Toledo, Purdue, and they're coming off a physical battle against Wisconsin in Chicago. And now they're taking on Cincinnati, which is fresh off a bye. So Cincinnati, wow. if they do beat Indiana, 3-0, and off a bye, have two full weeks to prepare for Notre Dame. That's why normally I'd give Notre Dame a little bit more of a home field edge here, but I think the situation really favors Cincinnati. So I have Notre Dame a three-point favorite, and, and once again, I, I think that Cincinnati will be a bigger dog than that in Vegas, but I like the Bearcats as a dog in that one. The great Phil Steele with us uh, here. Now, Phil, uh, throughout the year, you're going to be updating uh, your lines. Uh, if someone wants to uh, get that great knowledge that you're imparting, where do we need to send them? Well, I appreciate that, uh, Patrick. If you go to philsteel.com, I have a weekly newsletter called Inside the Press Box. And Inside the Press Box not only gives you the lines, it gives you a complete breakdown of the game. Everything you need to know about the game is in there, including my forecast of the game, my computer's forecast of the game, which is always huge because I never make a forecast without looking at my computer's numbers. So you get my computer's numbers, my numbers, and it's all broken down. Plus, when you subscribe to Inside the Press Box, you get Phil Steele Plus for free, which is my my complete website. It's like getting a magazine, except it's color-coded in green and red, green for good numbers, red for bad, <laughs> and it's updated all season long. Individual stats uh, uh, for each player each week updated. Uh, team stats are updated. Game grades are updated. So you'll have a source of power ratings. And that the Phil Steele Plus is free when you get inside the press box. All right, uh, Phil, if you'll allow me here, just a, a quick take on the Carolina season and the NC State season as you see it right now, respectively. Yeah, when you look at North Carolina, uh, the two big question marks you have with them are, of course, running back and receiver. They lose their top two running backs from last year. They lose their top two receivers. And I think they're fine at receiver. Uh, last year, Deami Brown and Daz Newsom were spectacular. But combined, they had 1,700 yards. I think North Carolina's top two receivers this year We'll have 1,700 yards because Sam Howell's throwing the football. So whether it's Josh Downs, mm -hmm. Coffrey Brown, Bo right. Corrales, uh, two of those guys are going to combine for the same amount. So I'm not worried about the receiver position. I am concerned about the running back position because Michael Carter and Javante Williams each rush for 1,000 yards. Combined, they average about 7.7 .7 yards per carry. That's not going to happen this year. However, they've got a better offensive line, and defensively, their defense has not been great so far. It's taken Mac Brown a little bit of time to get this thing turned around, but these guys look good coming off the bus. They're big, they're strong, they're fast, they're physical. They're going to have a much improved defense. When I look at their schedule this year, Patrick, I haven't favored in 11 of their 12 games. The only game I have a, an underdog in is at Notre Dame, a four-point dog, uh, favored in, uh, well, uh, all – I say favored in other games. They're not a dog in any other games. I do have two toss-up games on their schedule, and they're actually late in the year. At Pitt, and that's going to be a dangerous game. Watch mm -hmm. Pitt. They're my sleeper in the ACC this year. And then at NC State, I think NC State's got, uh, you look at their talent, they clearly have the second-best talent in the Atlantic uh, Conference. The problem I have with NC State this year is their schedule. 
but they get this one at home. It's a great rivalry game, and uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun, I think. So I rated that one a toss-up at the end of the year. But North Carolina is my favorite to win the Coastal. Now, NC State, second-best team in the Atlantic Division, 19 returning starters. Devin Leary, a quarterback. Uh, they've got a deep backfield with Knight, Person, and Houston. They've got a couple of dangerous receivers in Thayer Thomas and Amika Mezzi, and then the offensive line's veteran. How about defensively? Peyton Wilson, at linebacker, uh, leads the charge there. But they have to play at Mississippi State, where I have a slight dog. They play Clemson at home, dog. At Miami of Florida, underdog. They yeah. draw both Miami and North Carolina out of the Coastal. And they also have to play at Wake Forest late in the year. And here's the thing with Wake Forest. And, you know, if you look at my magazine, uh, it, it gives you the last five years games and it's all color coded, uh, or not color coded, but bold for your win and non bold if you lose. And if you're looking at the last four games of the season or the last three games of the season, the last five years, mm-hmm. Wake Forest is actually seven and 11. They lose a lot of games. And when I was talking to Coach Clawson, he said the reason for that is they've always been depth shy and they usually get banged up and then they're pretty thin at the end of the year. He feels this year, he's one of those coaches that said, hey, we went three deep, that they'll actually have the depth to overcome those injuries late in the year and have a much better finish to your season. So keep that in mind. You're talking handicapping and, and, and gambling a little bit there, Patrick. Yeah. That would be a thought to put in your head there. But So NC State's just got a brutal schedule. But talent-wise, they're right there with North Carolina. So in that big North Carolina, North Carolina State, I have the game pick them. Uh, Phil Steele. Hey, thanks a lot, Phil. I, I appreciate your time here. We went a little overtime with you, but uh, it's always great to hear from you. And uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to catch up with you throughout the season. Hey, that sounds great, Patrick. Always enjoy talking football with you, my friend. And uh, enjoy your time at the beach this week. <laughs> it's a tough assignment, Phil. It's a tough, but you've got me, ju- <laughs> you've got me juice for football. Uh, be well, Phil, and uh, thanks for the time. And don't get too much sand in those pages. <laughs> I will try not to. Thanks a lot, man. <laughs> All right, Patrick. Have a good one. You too. The uh, great Phil Steele with us here. His magazine available, philsteele.com, Barnes & Noble. Books a million uh, retail outlets across the Fruited Plain. Back to ra- Yes, I said back to wrap it up next. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. What? You want more? All right. On your flagship home of Pirate Basketball. 94.3 The Game at 94.3thegame.com. Big thanks to Phil Steele for joining us uh, here today. Also to Ben Byron for producing. Tomorrow, more of uh, Coach Houston's comments from TOT on Friday in our Pirate Report. Also, we're going to... uh, have uh, some news out of Panthers camp for you. Looking to get a guest to uh, appear with us to talk about what's going on uh, out uh, in uh, upstate of South Carolina for the Panthers training camp at Wofford. Also, I want to get in, uh, especially with you, Ben, tomorrow, this Kumar Rocker situation. So we'll get some deets on that, uh, come back with some some thoughts for you there. But uh, obviously not agreeing to terms with the Mets by the deadline Sunday, and that created some real uh, problems. Uh, as far as uh, both sides coming to an agreement and uh, Kumar Rocker starting his major league career. I just wonder, you know, he dropped to 11, and I just wonder what a season out of baseball is going to do. I guess the argument is, you know, he won't have as much wear and tear on his arm as if he returned to Vanderbilt, but still, I I just find that whole situation intriguing. So uh, if not time for that tomorrow, certainly do want to take some time to delve into that during the week as uh, we get closer and closer to uh, Pirate Football. Don't forget, midweek, we're going to have 
Coach Houston's comments out of the uh, out of the uh, media day. Now that'll all be done remotely this year. So uh, Coach Houston and company will be here at Greenville, but uh, they will appear via video stream. And if you've got ESPN Plus, you can watch all of this. But uh, you can check that out. Anyway, uh, more details on that again tomorrow. We'll have some audio from the Coach Houston and players' appearance. Uh, bring you some audio as well later in the week from uh, Commissioner Mike Oresco, who I'm sure is going to be uh, asked many questions with the aftermath of uh, last week. All right. Uh, have a great rest of uh, your day, and we will uh, catch you tomorrow right here on the flagship of the Pirates. 94-3 the game and a fresh edition of the Patrick Johnson Show.